Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. I'm here with your main host, Lance Psycho. I am your co-host today. Why is that? Alex is a get-her-done-gore. Um, just because I'm going to interview you which would then make me the host. Ah, so you're giving me free reign at the beginning. Yeah. Take it back. Switch it. Yeah. Take it it back. All right. So host, uh, let me tell you about project conditions that are changing and limited time to get things done. It's good to have information at your fingertips. That's right. Arccat.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content. And designed so you can access it quickly and efficiently. Even better, this is my favorite part. Every time, Al, Arcat.com is free to use and requires no registration. That's right. You don't even have to put in an email. You can just go there, download a bunch of stuff, make your own decisions. Freedom is free. Free. In uh, this well, in this case. I was gonna say normally so, not. So <laughs> normally nope. <laughs> normally nope. Things you gotta do. Things you gotta do. Secure stuff. Uh so visit today and access the information you need now. That's right. Go to arccat.com, A R C A T dot com and start building better projects and better pro- product content today. There you go. Um more responsibility equals more reward. If you want to take on more responsibility, you should do it the correct way. And that's, you should learn, you should prep, you should organize yourself so that you know what you're doing. If you want to do that in either of these two ways, learning Revit or becoming a builder, we have two resources for you. One is called RevitRocketShip.com, where yours truly teaches you how to make Revit a rocket ship to productions. We teach this at university, other professionals, and uh, at our at our firm, a new hire as we speak is going through the Revit Rocket Ship program to get them up to speed. If you're thinking about transitioning to become a builder, we think you should, or you should know more about the building process. <clears throat> we believe it will give you uh, more reward in the fact that you will know more things, be more confident in what you do, and be able to provide better value to your clients. And clients will reward you if you can provide them value. Go to Architects Guide to architectsguidet.com to look into that. Check. Uh, money back guaranteed if you do not like it, but it's valuable, valuable content. So Gonna save you money. Going to make you level up. Yep. Level up. Think about it. Think about it. A uh, little sneak peek. A little peek. Sorry. A little sneak peek uh, for the Monday morning coffee episode that is going to appear on uh, June 14th. I just want to give a sneak peek to, uh, it'll be Timothy Downing, and he's the general manager of Duratherm Window Company, which is part of the luxury division of Pella, which oh also God. sponsors this podcast. Hey, look at that. So uh, Tim's episode was amazing. Uh, at least I think so. Um, I know Tim had a great time when he was on it, and Alicia, if she's listening, uh, it's one of her favorite people on the planet. I can see why. He was so knowledgeable, so friendly, and and so passionate about the Duratherm windows. I encourage everybody to head over to PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm 
because you've never experienced their brands uh, like they have up there before. The collection of bands with the brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters. And I took a look at them, and some of the, one of the amazing things that I learned about about the Thurtherm Window Company is that famous architect Louis Kahn. He's a great guy. He he worked with Duratherm on uh, most of his buildings, um, especially the I think it's the Esther Library. Uh, it's in New Hampshire, yeah. and they look amazing. So this is a master architect, right? He's not with us anymore, obviously, but yeah. uh, uh, an, an amazing architect who uh, is using these windows. Take a look at them. So go to go to PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm because you are going to see. Uh, industry leaders, the pioneers of the industry who provided window and door solutions to discerning architects like the one I just mentioned, the building industry and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. Go check it out. They don't push the they don't push beyond the limits. They set them. They really do too, especially when you hear this story with Tim. I think you. I think it'll come full circle for you if you have any hesitation about checking it out. If you're a listener of this podcast, or if you want to recommend a window window company, window brands to people that are looking to take it to that next level and really set a standard. When you look back at the history of it all, after you hear what Tim has to say, it'll become obvious to you. Good. I'm so. looking forward to it. I think the listeners should too. Um, I've been on a architectural educational kick on YouTube and stuff like that. So. Um, this episode seems like it's going to be that going to fulfill that need. Uh, Lance, I got something for you. What do you got? Uh, it's a Wall Street Journal article, and the title is "The Economy uh, Recovery Is Here." It's unlike anything you've seen. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means is that so from this article, what you're gleaning is um, the amount of savings and and what I actually have to do to pull up this article. I don't know if you can pull it up and and possibly. I can't see it though. That's what I'm saying is because of um, the paywall, the paywall, right? So uh, (laughs) I had it at one point, but I'll read you just a few parts of it and why, why it's like this, why it's like this, right? Um, So the U.S. economic recovery, the title is the economic recovery is here, blah, blah, blah. It's not like if you've seen the go to Wall Street Journal, maybe you can read it through the paywall. But the U.S. economy, economic recovery is like anything in recent history powered by consumers with trillions in extra, extra savings. Businesses eager to hire an enormous policy support. So uh, later on in the podcast, once again, we're going to talk about one more thing, which is which we've been talking about, which is a theme and that is all the inflation that we're seeing because you can't escape it in all different kinds of ways. Some people are really benefiting from it. Some people are suffering from it. Um, it's always going to be a mixed bag, right? But the biggest, the, the two biggest factors, again, that are going to lead to all of this, and I think it's why it's worth checking out this article and at least mentioning it as a preface to the other one, is you've got all of these people saving a ton of money, right? The yep. stimmy checks came out. Some, a lot of people got the stimulus checks regardless. They didn't even, they didn't even maybe need it. Maybe same thing with PPP. All of these things. People were also not commuting, so they saved a bunch of money. Oh, sure. That way. I mean, there's just. Well, I thought about the lack of restaurants I visited, the lack of just like How weekend much pent- vacations that we haven't done. Which is the pent up demand. So the second part. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so. Uh, but it, think about it. Like, if you. People can go out and eat dinner with a family and spend 300 bucks easily. And you didn't do that for a year. You know, and you did like there's three thousand dollars saved if you just did that one time a month. You know, you could easily save three hundred bucks a month by not going out and doing stuff. A hundred percent. Yep. 
So uh, check that out and think about it. Okay. I got a, another question for you. Yes, sir. <laughs> so speaking about uh, the architect to builder role, you went down uh, to get, well, did you know that you were getting interviewed for this or did you just think it was um, a meet and greet meeting? So to set this up, there's this project where we're vying to be the contractor, Lance is vying to be the contractor, and you go down to meet the owners. Uh, and so it, and tell us it, what your perception of what that meeting was supposed to be about. Yeah, and what Alex, I think what he meant to say is, we're the architect, we're vying to be the car contractor. Yep. With that. So uh, it's a project in Boulder, and basically... Um, I got an email the day after we put it in our bid that said something to the tune of, thanks so much for all your effort in submitting your bid yesterday. We want to get an in-person meeting scheduled next week to go through your bid and ask any clarifying questions. Uh, so that's what I was expecting. Yep. And it was, I was expecting that at a service level. Yes, I would expect we're going to go through the contract. And proposal. The That's proposal. actually why I wrote down in the show notes here, proposal versus contract. Okay. So very critical difference. And we actually got this question from um, your mentees, some, a couple of your mentees, the other, like two or three weeks ago. Do you remember this? Where they were like, is your proposal your contract? Is it right. all in one? So there is an obvious difference, right? And some people are probably saying like, listening to this going like, duh. But I mean... You know, using words like that is loosely is... Well, well, we should differentiate for people that don't have that dumb moment is that some pe there might be a proposal of, hey, we're going to do this and it's going to cost this amount and it can be one page, it can be a couple pages and they say, okay, yes, we're going to do that. All right, now we're going to send over the contract and that's going to be all the boilerplate or the AIA contract or whatever and it's going to be, you know, 14 pages kind of laying out things more. Yep. So that's the difference, right? So you're saying this was to go over the proposal or the, what was this to go over? So just back up to the email again. Yeah. What, what I was expecting is we're going to go over your proposal and talk about your bids and clarify any questions, right? Yeah. So I'm expecting um, them to pull out my proposal and uh, go line by line because what we had with the proposal was uh, we had line item by line item and I'll just read a few off here and I think this is probably the best way to understand it. Here we go. So <clears throat> we put together a 16 page document. You know, it's got some, it's got a, a bunch of stuff, a summary of bitter background, um, all that kind of stuff, you know, where you were licensed at, where we're not, some past projects. And then you finally do get down to the numbers. Um, and basically, you know, it goes, there was about, oh, I'm reading off maybe 15 different line items. Some worked, some didn't in the sense of, uh, they didn't fit into these neat categories that I like to put them in. It was, for instance, uh, general conditions. That was just kind of like a, a fund for uh, trash, toilet, a temporary fence, you know, weird stuff, right? And then they didn't even have anything for contingency. So anyway, what I was expecting was them to go line item by line item for me to then pull up my computer and and then pull up my spreadsheet and say like, oh, so here's how it looks behind the scenes, guys, is here's what I'm including in general conditions. That is what I was expecting. Yeah. So what actually happened? Uh, I got grilled for 90 minutes <laughs> by a very uh, adversarial... Um, 
there's no other better way, and I'm not going to say the word. There's a C word I could use, oh. and it's not contractor, but it would be this. This is this, it shorter? It's shorter. This other contractor acted like that, and uh, it's not appropriate. But but it's the truth. And so, one of the points I want to make to everybody is, so it was it, what I got grilled with was 90 minutes front and page, front and back, um, pieces of paper, line item by line item of stuff. Yeah, four pages. Four pages, front yep. and back. For 90 minutes, you can imagine how many questions that is. Yep. And going through, not asking specifically line item by line item what I, what I proposed. It was more of, at the end of what I, what I found like, it, what I think it was, it was, it was a test of how well does this guy respond on his feet? Uh, how much of this does he have memorized? So, you know, exactly what was in the bids. And then I think there, so some trick questions, I, I mean, I, the more I, the more I think about it and the more I, the more I realize it, I, I think that's where it was. And, uh, <clears throat> and so if <laughs> I think the, the, one of the points I wanted to make was, and I have it written here is like, uh, commercial contractors are bleep, right? You can insert a, a four letter word there if you want to. And that's the truth. Well, uh, I'm kind of convinced that, especially because we've dealt with more with res- we've dealt more with residential. If you just look at what we've done as a whole, whether it's architect, builder, developer, all of that, like it's definitely there's definitely a bigger piece of the pie that's always been residential. Um, I would say lately we're probably closer to a fifty fifty mark, especially on my side. Yeah. Um, in both respects. But there is a giant difference between between all the residential contractors that, that I've dealt with as an architect or even as a homeowner who had had them had builders do it or even before like we started our architecture career and I was just a subcontractor for people vastly different it's a different corporate world it is cold um, it's not a friendly place to be I have two like overall reactions and then a, then a question. So be be prepared when you walk into that lines den. That's keep going. I, I get I I think that's the main point. That's the main point. Um one I thought the timing was very interesting because it was essentially an interview of you and our last couple of podcasts or at least the last one or the one before we talked about us interviewing other people. Mm-hmm. And we talked about lessons learned and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I am now that you're talking about that, I'm going back to sometimes when I was uh I was interviewed by an engineering firm and they were hitting me with questions and I got to nail some of them out of the ballpark. And I know that I nailed them because, um, I got the job and I just, I knew the answer, right? There was only kind of, you know, one answer. And one of the big lessons is, okay, if you're interviewing and this is what we learned too, is like, there's how you set it up, especially if you want that person to work with you, right? If, if they wanted you to work with them, maybe 90 minutes of straight grilling was not the way to go. Exactly. Right. You got to <laughs> wonder about the psychology. Yep. That was thought about before this meeting. I what? mean, it just, I, I, it was, it was what, I mean, I'm telling you half hour, halfway through the meeting, not even halfway, 15 minutes into the meeting. I was telling my wife this last night. Like I just knew like, this is not, if, if this is how it's going to be, this is just not worth it. Yep. Yep. So what we talked about before is, Hey, have them open up, have them talk, have them do all that. 
Um, then, then open up the questions and you can, let's say you do want to know how someone responds out of the fly. That's a great thing. I told the story once, um, a person asked me if I could draw and I said, yes. And then they threw their sketchbook well, sl- slid it over to me. It's like, oh, that was great of them. You know, like put me right on the spot. Oh, you say you can draw your thesis. Go ahead and do it right now. Did it worked out well. So they can grill you. That's totally fine. I think it's three to five questions of grilling, you know, like at a mat. That's what I think. It and to be, be fair, I will say that they, they, they did say, give us your, you know, the one, the, the guy who did all of the talking, 99% of the talking, who, who did the 98 minutes of questioning and the four pages and all that. And I butted heads with, did open up the meeting and say, tell us about, tell us about you and your firm. That was two to four minutes. So okay. there, there was that, yep. there was that, but then it was 90 minutes straight up after that. Y- yep. Okay, so that's kind of just interview, and, and I'll get back t- to that. And then, secondly, my other impression is so I've been dealing with the more we grow, the bigger projects that we get, yep. the more experience I get dealing with contractors at these bigger levels. And one thing that made complete sense to me was the contractor's test is open book, and they state <laughs> it's an open book because they go, You can't memorize 900 pages. It's just, I mean, probably memory people can, right? But like, normal people do not memorize 900 pages, right? And the code changes and stuff like that. So these big projects that I work on, I don't mind an owner's having an owner's rep. I actually prefer it and I really, really like it, right? But there's the contractor, the owner's rep a lot of times, and then the architect. So there's three people. And even between those three people, there are always gaps in knowledge. 100%. And normally someone else will fill it, which is great, but there is always gaps in knowledge. And what I find from memorized knowledge, yep, the, the homeowners rep and also as me becoming a contractor, because when I'm talking to some of the people about design, I don't want to be that contractor that, Hey, this one bad thing happened on this one project. I'm just going to grill that to the teeth, you know, like that one issue. Right. And some, the more experience you get the more negative examples you're going to have. So that's where contractors need to be aware and not let this get to them because I'm sure those pages are just his pent up anger about 50 projects that that, Oh, oh, four projects ago, one thing went wrong. I'm going to bring it up on this eight projects ago. Another thing went wrong. I'm going to bring it up on this. And that's what, that's literally like, I can feel this happening. Mm -hmm. Like one guy, one contractor couldn't get out of his head, like having, having the floor level. Right. And, and the solution is get a, get a level, get a level and go check. But like, it was just this (laughs) circle, this circle of, of just bringing it up and not like a broken record. Yep. Um, so contractors be aware of that architects beware of that's where they're coming from. Not that that's excusable. I don't think it's excusable because just think about where I, are they coming from? Repeat that. Oh, oh. <clears throat> they've built 50 projects. Oh, okay. Easily four things went wrong on each project. Mm-hmm. That's uh, 200 things and they bring them up. Hey, we're starting a project. I immediately have 200 problems that we need to address right now and make clear. The, that psychology also relates to rela- normal advice and relationships. That's the problem with relationships. I start dating you. I bring all my baggage from all yep. my past things. Hey, 
you made one little tick. You know what? That person is a psycho. His last name is Psycho. That's I got a, it. That's a perfect analogy. Yep. That's a that's a perfect analogy. And and then y- you got to think of well. <laughs> so so what do you do then? Do you uh, do you uh, do you appease them? Hmm. Great question. And then I want to go into some examples if you can remember it. So I'm just going to prep you with that. Like, give me some example questions, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I think it's a date. And if I went on a date and someone just started bringing up all the issues of, you know, like this and just started assuming, like, okay, you just met me and now you assumed I'm an a-hole trash person for whatever reason. Or, or, you know, you just started lobbing these things on us. I don't want to deal with that baggage. That's clearly your issues because you just met me. <laughs> I'm not going to fight your invisible demons from the past. So nice knowing you. Paid for drinks. On to the next one. Yeah. It chaps my ass that on those dates, then you never get your money back. <laughs> like, oh, man. So uh, in between uh, my uh, uh, first and only divorce and then um, my uh, current marriage uh, and hopefully forever, is uh so i did do like uh one i did do one of the internet dates and i j- it still bum it still kills me i'm like that was a hundred bucks mm. terrible <laughs> not so, that i paid for the day i'm saying the dinner and i was like terrible now nah, i'm see i went through like eight of those so it was at least and sometimes i did two dates so 869 oh, bucks and I then feel way better but well you should feel better because then it's like oh no, no, this was all the cost of finding my wife. <laughs> and now I don't buy her nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, okay, while you're while you're looking for that marker, Found it. can I give you some of the questions? Yes, I think this is an excellent this is an excellent exercise, uh, for sure. Um, I see that your electrician uh, opted to put um, aluminum as the lines. Uh, going into the buildings that are going to feed the feed the power, and uh, you know, owner uh, owner, I, j- I just got to tell you, but like that bid, you should be that that whole thing. Uh, do you, do you know do you know what aluminum can do? Do you know how? I mean, we're talking about we're talking. Do you know what it can do? Yeah, so I actually know the answer. I probably wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just go. Um, yeah, uh, aluminum is not only standard practice, it's actually recommended and the standard of choice for XL, uh, Longmont Power, and many municipalities. So all of those large, large companies slash corporations have chosen it as their standard. Um, You might be referring to the galvanic action at the connection, which used to be a problem in the past. I feel like you might be projecting past issues onto this project. <laughs> and I say that. Just say it. <laughs> but I will the, bleep that F word out, but Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a, uh, um, I don't know if it's a sealer or there's a, a separator that, that can be placed in that solves that issue. Um, so to expand, <clears throat> I feel like you are gaslighting and mm. bringing up things that aren't really items. Um, and you're doing a terrible job, sir. I love that response, Mr. Gore. <laughs> so that was one of the questions, honestly, was there was this giant concern about aluminum um, feeds going from the power source, so your power box or whatever it is, 
uh, you know, pedestal and then into um, hooking up the buildings. And then it's copper after that on the inside, right? Typically, you don't see aluminum on the inside. It's a non-issue. So I think you need to be aware of some of the big issues. That's probably the point with this. And the big issues meaning th- th- underground stuff, okay? Uh, but Go about, let's say you don't know the answer. Let's say I didn't know the answer, yeah. right? It would be something, uh, the response should be something like that. Be like, uh, that seems pretty typical. I've worked with these engineers for a long time. I know that they're a proven firm. Um, I'll give them a call and some of my other contacts a call. Get their opinion on this and get back to you. Yeah. So I actually did do that. Um, oh, look what, at that. After the meeting, what I ended up doing is I ended up calling three, three of our three of our electricians that we work with, depending on the job, job size, all et cetera, called the engineers, um, called a developer friend, and talked with all of them. And all of them said... That that concern, uh, we've heard people squawk about this concern before, and what we think it is is it's baggage, like Alex was just saying, brought in from other projects. One project went wrong. It stung them forever. Now they're just completely opposed to it. And then I, I actually went back and wrote to the owner uh, and addressed all of these things in, in the meeting, right? Um, so you need to be aware of all the underground stuff going into those meetings, because uh, just understand that you might get grilled between copper versus aluminum. Uh, how big? How big of a, how big of the underground um, sewage pipes? You know that, that, that you're thinking about doing all, all kinds of detailed stuff. But I think the biggest thing is this proposal versus contract. So that was one of the fallbacks I had for the whole time. Before we go into that, I think this is a lesson to all the people that are on the path to, and I mean the path of architect to. Builder. Builder. Because I, I can't overemphasize emphasize. how great of an education point this is. We've we've had the... It was, we, wor- it was worth putting the proposal, even though we're not going to do it, yeah. just to have this meeting. Well, <clears throat> here's because I know there's things that we have built that me or you... I can't remember a s- single instance, but where we have said, we're never doing that again. We're never doing that again. Let's say that issue comes up again. And, it, and we remember like, oh yeah, I remember we're never going to do that again. Oh, why? Was it actually that or was it something else or did something new happen? And so then be open to like, oh yeah, that happened three years ago, but this is a different situation. We're using something slightly different. Okay. That's okay. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Let's say it was something with the, you know, like, because we don't want to be what we're complaining about. Yeah, and th- so I also asked those electricians and and the plumbers, um, people that I just with related to the questions that came up. I go, do you guys have you guys ever attended one of these meetings with your GC? Hmm. And they say on a project of this size, which is a small commercial building, uh, they said no. On a giant manufacturing project, yes, because if they go, you're not going to be able to answer those all those detailed questions. You're just not going to be able to. That's why you're a general contractor. That's why you're not a specialty subcontractor. That's why you're not a professional engineer <laughs> or electrician. Literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's going to be some nuances um, to to all of that. Uh, <clears throat> so just be prepared to be walking walk into a possible lion's den. Um, understand that they may not go through it line item by line item. And they're going to try to throw you a bunch of curveballs. So you need to uh, be prepared for your curveballs. What's another example? So people can get in their mind these curveballs. Give me another example. Something they asked. 
Let me think about this for a second. Uh, let's uh, see. Ramp. How about... <laughs> ramp. ADA accessibility. Yep. So a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, the ADA stuff you should just, you probably have memorized, right? Like you'll never forget because you're tested so hard on it too. And then, and then honestly you deal with it every day if you're doing commercial stuff and some residential. So like ramp slopes, right? Remember two things. I think you need to remember two things, two big numbers, 5% and 8.33%. Meaning it becomes, anything becomes a ramp, a surface of a horizontal surface if it exceed if it's if it meets the threshold of five percent or higher up to whatever it could be a ramp but it's only acceptable um at 8.33 percent that's the max yeah that's the max like you can't go past that right so uh have have if if you're the architect and you're transitioning to this make sure all of that stuff is labeled um on on your plans because I think what you're trying to, and if it's not, then you need to do the hand math beforehand. So there was one ramp and it was on the interior of the building and it didn't get the percentage slope on it labeled in plan view. I had my laptop up. I got the que- the, qu- the question was, here's the question now. Yeah. And now you're back to, you're playing Lance, okay? Okay. I'm the jerk. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at your plans here. And I just did the math. Looks like this ramp is 10%. You can't do that. You can only do 5%. Sir, 5%. What are you doing? (laughs) Was it literally like that or are you exaggerating? I am not exaggerating. Oh, okay. Uh, 5% is when a ramp becomes a ramp. Um, 10% is... It's it's not ten percent. Uh, it was drawn by my architecture firm. They know ramp percentages. Let me open my laptop and see what it is. Oh, here it is. It's eight point three three percent. And at that point, when I did that, then I made the power move of physically going over and sitting right beside him and said, "Hey, do you mind if I sit right beside you?" So, you might want to do that. You might not want to do that. Yeah. It depends on where you're at in the meeting. I'm just saying, like, do not let do not let yourselves be pushed around. Like, and don't and don't ever get intimidated by this whole. I'm so sick of hearing this. The whole. Well, I've got 40 years of experience. Well, maybe it's 40 years of shitty experience. That's how. That's the comeback you have every time with this whole, I have all of this experience going on. Well, maybe it's 40 years of tragedy. Like you could, you could be a 40-year experience whatever and be doing 40 years of crap work. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could say that better. Like, I, I almost had a, a different take from it, but... I have the With same the experience stuff because I, I know it ticks you off too when you hear that. Well, because this this is what I hate about it is that to stick with that example, you have forty years of experience, but you're getting these things wrong. So what, what what's happening? <laughs> what what is happening? You know what I mean? Like uh, develop when I became unintimidated by developers, and I, we have a lot of great developers that we work with that are awesome was when I, I think what he's referring to is this, there's a specific uh, group of people, no matter who they are, that are jerks. So there are possible jerks. Yep. Yep. Um, it, it was, was just experiencing what they don't know. There right? you go. Experience what they don't know. So like just know in the back of, of your head for everything they, they hit you on. Like it's very possible you could, bring something else up that they have no idea about. You know what I mean? Like, um, because I, I've gotten this question, like, what if the plans aren't clear? My literal answer is because someone asked me this because they got put on the spot in the firm. I go, you tell them, 
the plans, the plans might not be clear to you. That doesn't mean they're not clear. And I've worked with contractors. We've done hundreds and hundreds of plans. Some contractors read our plans, no questions, for literally 50 projects. And our plans are clear. Other contractors, same plans, same, we, we draw the same way. We'll have 50 questions on one project. So just because it's not clear to you doesn't mean it's clear. So I'm not going to take questions from you and not bill you because you say it's unclear. <laughs> Speaking of plans and clarity and specifications as well, you need to under, if you're going into this meeting, there's, I think there's two big things to remember too is, is there a spec book? If there's not a spec book, then whatever's on the plans are not specifications in, in, in the proper sense. They are, they are general notes, right? So don't get caught in the trap of, this is one of the other questions I have is they, it was, uh, well, the specs, you know, well, the specs supersede the, pl the plans and the drawings always. I go, you're right about that, but there's no spec book. Well, what about this spec? That's not a spec. That is a general note. Yeah. That is a general note. Uh, so just remember all of those things. Um, I, I, I don't know if this hurt, this helps or hurts you, <laughs> but, um, you just got to be prepared to be on your feet and then don't be afraid to have some things that you can fall back on, such as have your laptop there, have the, have your own internal notes ready, have, uh, have the, have the model ready. That was so critical to prove the, the ramp thing wrong. Cause I literally, I literally cut a section through the ramp Drew a line, drew, drew a line, so I could call out a slope. It was at a perfect eight point three percent. Another example was, "Hey, I'm getting I'm getting questions from contractors about um, this one contractor said like, why are we changing the tap from one one and a half inch to two inch?" And I go, "That's news to me. Let's take can we take a look at the plans?" And this was me again sitting right next to him this time, and pulling out the, and and opening up the plans and reading through it. And what was hilarious is in real time you they got to see this happen. So. There was two notes right next to each other. That's one said one and a half inch cold yep. water and then two inch P. So or G. So I bet you can guess what if this is a gas. Yes. A plumbing and gas plan, right? Yeah. And I go and I go and I, so I, I pull out the plans and I go and I go, huh, two inches. And he goes, Oh, that's gas. And I go, I go, yeah. And you just saw in real time how I instantly got to that two. Just like the other contractor probably did. Yeah. He goes, well, and I go, acknowledge it. You just saw in real time the exact same thing happened to me. Yeah. But it's clearly one and a half. Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was brutal. Ah, <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> sounds terrible. Sounds like that guy is, he says, why am I getting questions from other contractors? So it sounds like it's multiple bids and maybe they just wanted to grill you on all these questions and not even have you in the interview as contractor. Yeah, they got to call me as the architect. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So yeah. Here's, yeah. The, here's the other confusing thing too is uh, the day I was in for that interview was the day they said they're going to sign the contract, select the GC and sign the contract. Yeah. But then during the meeting, then this other guy brings up, oh no, we need to have an attorney review everything. Oh, here's one other thing you should do. And actually I wanted to ask you about yep. this. Uh, so the, uh, it's becoming a pattern that I'm noticing. So I've already established, like, in my opinion, commercial contractors are bleep. Uh, here's the other thing though, uh, that I'm noticing is in a commercial project, 
They're really insisting on this AIA contract. Mm -hmm. They are insisting on it. We don't, we're not part of the AIA. Um, I don't, I, I'm not here to bash the AIA. It's just, we're not part of it. And, and we don't have these AIA contracts. We have language from the AIA contracts that are, that are, that is in our contracts. A lot of it's similar. If I think if you want to avoid any conflict about that and you're going to go after commercial work, you might as well purchase that AIA contract. Well, I'm glad you came to that conclusion because I was at an interview um, and they asked me the same thing and I explained why. Um, and I even went in, into more detail that we mainly do residential work, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I do think it's something looking into and having in your back pocket. Yep. Yeah. And the kickback I got with it was, <laughs> so, I, so I explained the same thing. I said, we're not in the AA. And he goes, oh, I, I just assumed you were. And I go, well, that assumption was wrong. <laughs> Did you know that you do not have to be in the AIA to be a licensed architect in, the nor in North America? No. Okay. You don't. So that's not how we operate. Yeah. And, and, he go, and, then, and then it was, uh, the AIA contract is the most fair for everybody. Oh, but that's your opinion? That's your opinion. Yeah. That's not my opinion. We don't share the same opinion. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In positive, in positive news, I have a question for you, Al. Okay, I got to an answer. Our good friend Lucas Gray, uh, who is a listener of this podcast, posted on, he reshared this, I think, it doesn't matter, from LinkedIn, and he says, uh, another great lesson from Jonathan Stark, and I wanted to see what you had to say about this, Mr. Gray. When someone asks, quote, when someone asks you what your hourly rate is, my advice to answer with is, quote, I don't have one, and then sit there in the uncomfortable silence until they inevitably ask, quote, then how do you price your work? To which you reply, quote, I'll give you a fixed price for the engagement. Is that acceptable? But what if the inquiry is not a real-time conversation, but instead happens asynchronously over email? Here's how I would respond. Quote, I don't have an hourly rate. I give fixed prices, so clients never have to pay more. If things take longer than expected, would that work for you? Good clients will always answer, yes to this question and then you can proceed without the expectation of trading time for money so what I, do you think i like all that one side question is our electrician coming i just saw him drive by in his truck uh to my knowledge no okay i'll see if he pops in um i like that what is your hourly rate i've never had a problem answering that question okay go What's your uh, hourly rate? 160 an hour. Uh-huh. Oh, you didn't actually have to say it, but whatever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like, uh, okay, yeah. I mean, why would you have a problem answering that question? That, but that, I think, it, I think. but look, this, the, the premise of this whole thing, Al, is like to not do, to not reduce yourself to an hourly rate. Even though if you've built, if you've built in the profit, I still don't understand the problem it, with it. Well, I, like I get the fixed price of it, but we do fixed prices all the time, for, even yeah. for giant jobs, but... It, here could be the potential problem that he's hinting at, okay? So um, you do floor plans and elevations or whatever, right? And you do them, you present them, they look clean, simple, all that. And then you say, hey, $3,000 or you know whatever it is in, in the contract. Mm -hmm. And then in their head, they do the reverse math and they go, oh, that shouldn't have taken you 30 hours. Oh, if so it was $100 an hour, I'm doing easy math because come on, I'm not going to do hard math. Um, that should have only taken you eight hours. Why are you charging me? You know? So now he's setting up like, no, no, no. You asked for floor plans, elevations. I executed on that. We agreed on the price. Mm -hmm. Here they go. Yeah. 
is that the kind of freedom? And then now the question goes is like, okay, is again, selling is about flow. Yes. Selling is about flow and selling is about them being able to relate and trust you. Those three things are key, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, if you come, if they ask you that, is it worth putting up that roadblock and then making them ask the second question? You know the what I uncomfortable mean? Si- this is why I brought it up because I, I the word, <laughs> I don't mind making things uncomfortable for people if they make things uncomfortable for me, AKA the conversation we just talked about, right? Yeah. Like what's the point? It, like, because life is so short, like why would you want to work with people that make you uncomfortable from the get go? Sure. But in this case, I'm not sure. So think about that. Now, now you're putting the hat on in reverse. Like, are you sure they're going to want to work with you? That's a, it's a gag. That's exactly it. Yeah. So, so I, I think you can avoid it if keep going. Sorry. Well, well, here's a great question. <clears throat> Let's say you've had that happen to you once or twice. Hey, questioning your fee and quite, because I've had it, it, it was more like years ago, but like, Oh, that took you eight hours. Like, a, a, you know, like a question, right? Um, and you d- want to avoid that. Well, am I going to take those two times that that happened to me over 10 years and then put that burden on every client moving forward? It's literally what we just talked about. Is it the, are you going <laughs> to take that baggage? Are you going to take that baggage? Yeah. Honestly. So that, 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 yeah. So what you could Man. say, so here's, here's the way I think you, you, you formulate the whole thing instead of this. So this last paragraph, which is, you know, I don't have an hourly rate. They always reply yes to the question. Here's what you say. Here's what I think you say. Sure. Uh, I do have an hourly rate. It's blah, blah, blah. However, I, I like to give fixed prices so clients never have to pay more if things take us longer than expected. How does that sound to you? That's the way to really formulate that at the end, don't you think? You've addressed both things. You're not a big roadblock. You answer their question. You satisfy them by answering the question. As everyone knows, I get much satisfaction from yes and no answers. Absolutely. I also think you can say, if you want to say, no, I don't have an hourly rate, instead of making them pause and having that awkward or whatever he stated, say, I do not have an hourly rate. How, what I do is that uh, based on the engagement, I come with a fee and then like you just fill in their next question that you know that they're going to ask. I think you can do it that way too. Yes. That's a great way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But either way, you're not, you're not putting up this roadblock. You're not making people uncomfortable and then think about how, what's, what that means for them, how they're going to want to, like, are they going to want to make you feel uncomfortable? Like this is how it works in life. There's a give and a take. Yep. All right. If anybody does, if everybody doesn't know, uh, so I'm on a 30 day Facebook ban right now because I made a meme and uh, I spoke too much truth. <laughs> that so what happened. Yeah. so uh, why, why I'm saying that is because I just want to give a shout out to Michael Buckley who posted and tagged this article with me in it. Uh, well, I'm not in the article, but he tagged me in the post. Um, uh, so I just want to make sure that he is aware of that. Obviously, he's a listener to the podcast because his uh, in the Entre Architect community, his, uh, his title was Great graphics in this article about surging construction costs, read as hashtag inflation land psycho from Bloomberg. So thanks for that. You guys should check out that article. Here's why you should check it out, I think, is because go to if you went to it now, you're no. a visual guy, so I figured you'd love this. I love visuals. Yep. Uh, so it's building a home in the US has never been, never 
been more expensive. This mm. is June 3rd, so this just came out yesterday. Um, it has some of the best graphics, right? So uh, just re- going to read a little bit from it. From lumber to paint to concrete, to the cost of almost every single item that goes into building a house in the U.S. is soaring. In some cases, the price increases have topped to 100% since the pandemic began. There are many factors. There are any number of factors at play from rock bottom mortgage rates to city dwellers rush to the suburbs to shortage of materials. But the simplest explanation that there's just too much demand for builders and their suppliers to handle. All of this makes a housing extreme manifestation of the inflationary pressures percolating through the booming economy. This is insane. They have a breakdown. It starts from the home. And then it goes into the foundation, then lumber, and then trusses, it, then drywall. You, you just got to scroll down to like basically yeah. page two of it and you'll see it. Yeah, it's just graphic. I'll pull but it up. I got to tell you these numbers. Um, this is the builder's selling price of excluding a lot of a Baybrook model in Boise, Idaho. Oh Baybrook. Oh my God. So in 2019, $471,000. Okay. Okay. I didn't know Boise. Boise's blowing up. That's 2019. <laughs> 2020, $505,000. Not a, not a crazy increase, right? Let's, yeah, let's do the, still, let's, that number psychologically is a lot yeah, to me. Yeah, you're so Minnesota. It is funny. Yep. Uh, Spring 2021, $746,000. Oh, my wow. goodness. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So the year over year, to put it in perspective, gosh dang it, why can't I do the math? 505123 minus 4715. Zero, whatever. It's close enough. Thirty-four thousand. So, so basically, year-over-year year increase from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty was um, around, call it seven percent. That's that's stock market stuff, right? Seven sure. percent uh, sure. return, right? And but, then it's fifty-eight percent the year after that. Exactly. So they on did, top of the seven percent. Yeah. So they did the math for me in the last one. Thank you, Bloomberg. Uh, that is an insane increase. Listen to this foundation <laughs> price: twenty nineteen, fifteen thousand; twenty twenty, seventeen thousand; twenty twenty one, eighteen. Nope. Just kidding. Thirty two. Thirty two thousand. Yeah. Keep going. This, this okay, is fun. And, and I'm going through the graphics. Obviously, with, if you're watching, lumber. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nine thousand. Twenty twenty. Thirty two thousand. 2021, any guesses? 104,000. You were correct. For lumber? Yes. You actually, it's 262%. Oh, I see what you see. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 104,000. My bad. Yep. Yep. Boy, I'm being bad today. Yeah. Trusses. Trusses. 12,000 in 2019. Then almost 14,000 in 2020. So not crazy. Again, not crazy. And then, hey, 2021, 17,000. No big deal. Oh, wait, just kidding. 29,000. I just wish I knew like what coincided with all these kind of increases as it pertains to the money supply. Hey, I don't know though. Drywall's not that bad. Drywall is, hasn't been that bad actually. 21,000, 24,000, 26,000. Yep. From, all right. From 2019, 2020. Let's see if we get some other rational things. This is still. Pipes, in, pipes and wires is next. Plumbing, HVAC, electrical. 28,000, 32, and then 42. That a $10,000 jump. Wow. Yeah, because okay. so 2019 and 2020, 4,000 jump, and then two, then 10,000 on top of the 4,000. Good what's Lord. What's crazy is that? Paint went up? Yeah. That's what's crazy, Al. Well, paint. <laughs> literally, Lance, <laughs> six, no, 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 eight months ago, mm-hmm. eight months ago, I was doing a lot of work on my free time of doing a cost-effective 
house. Oh, yeah. I even looked at some lots in Longmont. I know. Right? We should have bought those lots, by the way. Um, and it all came down to me is like, oh, the city with their, because Colorado cannot figure out water. The city with their fees and with their water fees, which are $30,000. Every effort that I make to reduce the cost by using a different system or reducing the square foot, it's like, oh, great. You spent eight hours and you shaved off 50 square feet and you saved $5,000, $10,000. The water is $30,000. Get your life. Right? So I, I kind of like held that kind of side project and just let it die. And then just to think like if we would have continued that, like, oh, you did all this hard work and then just everything escalates in prices like that. Um, so here's going back to it, paint. Uh, 9,800 to 11,800 to 16,500. 68% increase. Finishes. Oh my goodness. Material. This is the best article that's been put together so far. Who was asking about this the other day about if I've been seeing increases in cabinetry? I need to email this to them. Yep. Remember. Trim and materials. It went from 31,000 to 40,000 to 52,690. 68%. Madness. Appliances. 4,000. To 5,200 to 6,500. Which is a total buyer cost increase of 65%. 60. No, no, for, sorry, the cost of the finish. So now, so all added together. Wow. So this is, this is everyone. (laughs) This is, this is, this is after paying. And again, this is a lot. This this is Boise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Boise is a great place. I didn't think it was that great. Uh, This great. So 5,890. To six hundred and seventy thousand. Yep. To now nine forty six. Oh my so god! Basically, almost a million. A house that two years ago to actually build was a half million dollar house, which still, to my Minnesota mind, seems expensive. It seems, it's fair. Half million dollar house, same house just became a million dollar house. Yep. So, last so so infl- I mean inflation. You're getting the same house for almost double the price. The, in two years, and inflation doesn't I exist. Just Lance. Got, well, this doesn't exist. Just please don't. If you're listening, please don't buy into this. Don't rub, tweet I'm rubbing, at Lance. I'm rubbing my temples. Uh, do not buy into this um, double speak language of it's transitory. Mm-hmm. It's not transitory. It's real. Uh, so oh, last, well, it, but if in two years there's an article and this goes back down to between, like, okay, I'd we'll eat our words. Wrong. We'll eat our words. Happy to be wrong. Lan- I'll, we'll make Lance do a dance. Something like that. Lance dance. The Lance dance. Hashtag Lance dance. Last thing from this article, quote, this could be industry killing if things continue going the way they're going, said Martinez, who has had to tack on price increases during the construction, and if anywhere from 40000 to 100000 primarily due to rising lumber costs. Quote, we're putting projects off. We've got clients that are hitting their price ceiling. So remember... Go back to episode. Uh, I can't remember what number it is, but it's the goose that killed, or the the golden egg, the leg, the goose that gave, lo, laid the golden egg. Right? You've heard this analogy before. Go back and listen to that because Mister Psycho predicted this. Here's here's a little tip. <laughs> if you cannot do, if you are, you might be the best contractor in the world of all time. If you can do, hey, fixed price housing. Here you go. Stamp it. Ready to go. It's done. Good for you. You're amazing. You've locked in prices. You're way better than us. Let's say you started building at the end of 2020 and it was a year long build and you are building now still in the middle. 
your prices went up 68 46%, 26%, 162%, 104%, 58%. These are for all the different areas. Yeah. Like, you can't account for that. Good luck. You can't account for 104 Wait, let's go to lumber. 262%. Did you have that in your contingency? Did you have that in your profit margin? No. That's why we ordered on this new this commercial job where we just started this week. <laughs> That's why we ordered everything from studs to ca- to cabinets. Did you know that? The only thing I didn't order was was drywall because um I didn't see the crazy increase. And to back to that this article is 26% like it's just part of the deal. You know, if it goes over what then what's approved then we're going to have to pull it out of contingency and there's enough there and I understood the whole risk but uh, that's where it's at, man. That is where it's at. So, okay. Uh, okay. Now that you've sufficiently, you know, Debbie Downer right there, <laughs> you got an idea. Oh, um, oh, I do. That's right. You want to tell people ideas and then I'll add on my thoughts on that. idea. So let me, yes, let me pull up. Um, I want a sneak peek one more time here. I believe this will be, so uh, this, this guest from the Monday Morning Show will be on um, June 21st. He will be featured on the Monday Morning Podcast Show, and he is Phil Elmore. And Phil is a um, he's a writer, and he's a writing he's like a business writing coach. So he will. So what he gave me is the idea of one of his. He's launching a couple uh, websites and in, in his own little entrepreneurial de- endeavors. And what they are is, and they're not little; they're big, in my opinion. But they he is convinced that every business owner, every entrepreneur should have a book. They should have a book and it, it is a, it is part of your sales piece, part of your branding. So that's the idea. So the idea is how do we package one? Should we package one for F9? What do you think, Mr. Gore? I I like the idea. Um, and here's my take on it is, have you ever heard of the book called the toy toy Toyota way? Yes. Right. That's how they do stuff. So what if the book was called The F9 Way? Ooh, I like it. Okay, and then I started thinking about chapter ideas, right? And here's the first rough pass. Let me tell you what I do to Al. And Mark, if you're listening, Mark LePage, because he says this is our executive meeting, here's what I do to Al is I go, hey, Al, here's a little seed. Put it in your little head and then it grows. See? Now it's, you see? see? He comes sprouted. over and waters it. Sprouted. <laughs> so first chapter, introduction, yep. I think can be the origin story. Right. Just the origin story. And then talk about like, hey, when we got that first, it was a pot shop. And the client said, hey, you're quick, professional and over deliver. Let us believe like, oh, there's principles to this. Right. And then each chapter. Next chapters after the introduction, nine chapters, each one is a story about a principle, why it exists, how we got to it, why it matters why it helps the clients. And I mean like really, we should really like filter it out. It's a chance to relook at the principles and make sure, hey, does this make logical sense? Do we need to tweak it a little bit? Does this fit within? Um, and then then I think, so those F9, and then we can end with, and we can adjust the good architect, bad architect. Yeah. Conclusion. Yeah. There's good architects, bad architects. This guy is killing it over here. Yeah. I like it, Al. I like it a lot. Gotcha. I like it a lot. I knew that's all I had to do. Was that's new? It's all I had to do is uh, uh, put, put in, a seed, put a seed in your brain. Yep. Okay. Last little segment here before we get to Nick Reed's. This is a longer than usual episode, but that's okay. It's jam packed for you guys. Uh, I want to remind everybody why it's so important to get a retainer 
up front before you even the pencil touches the paper, the mouse touches your hand, uh, etc. Right, architecture wise. Here's why. I'm going to read you a series of text messages um, that I got. No names. My dad is having second thoughts on building. If you can, if you can stop the process, please. Me. Okay. Well, can we send our last invoice then? We were waiting on feedback from them, on them, from them before sending. How much is the invoice for nothing really got done? I want to emphasize that. How much is the invoice for nothing really got done? Do, do listeners see how this is tying back? To previous discussions in the same. <laughs> yes. Uh, me. You can't say that. It's all spelled out in the contract. What we got done according exactly to the contract. There's even pictures in the contract that cover this. What's the amount? And to be honest, we're on with a new team. We didn't like what you did at all. Me. Here's where we are straight from the contract. And then I pulled up the two visuals to show... Look, we gave you one set of floor plans, then we revised it. Then I said, we delivered via email the second set of floor plans based on the last design meeting we had. It's entirely okay to not nail a design during the first two iterations, and we had built into the contract more. Thanks for your honesty. It's okay if we are not a good fit. Him. What second set? Only set I got was the one we reviewed at the meeting. Me. The one we sent on the 28th. Here's a screenshot of the email we sent. Me, maybe you missed the email, but the email was sent. Today, I finally got a hold of him, and then um, he is hopefully looking at that email. So you're covering your you're covering your tracks the whole way around, right? You're, you're completing the circle, the feedback loop, etc. Why it's always important to get the retainer, I checked in on hours of where we landed with this. Mm-hmm. We are compensated. So mm-hmm. even if we get stiffed, which is entirely possible for this invoice, which we are owed, you know, we could go to collections. We could cause this big stir. Oh, well, you could put a, let's say they build the house, you whatever you lean. lean on. Yep. Yep. Ex- exactly. Get the retainer. It's good for cash flow. It's good for putting skin in the game. It keeps people accountable and you will lose less. Yeah. Hey, I got a joke for you. You should have done this one earlier, but going back to pricing, uh, do you know the price of a chimney? No. Well, let me tell you, it's through the roof. Oh, he's going to be here all day. That was from Entree Architect Community. Uh, Found that on there. So thank you, that community, for that joke. I'll tell you what we got next. We got a community member coming in here hot from Florida. Here's Nick. But Nick reads. Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. A reading. Start a business. $999. It's too much. Buy a new iPhone, $999. No problem. Healthy groceries, $100. It's too much. Dinner and drinks, $100. No problem at all. Watch Netflix, two hours. One more episode. Learn a new skill, two hours. There's not enough time for that. Friends, life's about choices. Stop blaming your lack of opportunity. Start making good choices. Accredited to Lance Keiko. Toodles. <laughs> I love it. That freaking Keiko. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, did you did you rip this off from someone or did you make it up? Uh, so there was a meme floating around with Elon Musk's face on it. Oh, nice. I, it was not quoted by him, 
Yep. But this was kind of written down in that way, so I thought it, I liked it. Uh, I will find stuff like that sometimes, and then I'll post it on LinkedIn business-wise. Cool. I, I think if, that's absolutely appropriate. If you have not connected with me, connect with me. I will connect with you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Happy, to, happy like, to be a friend. Hashtag inflation isn't real. Just start that conversation with Lance. <laughs> For see, sure, he'll say, yeah, I want to be your friend. See what he has to say. What is real, though, Al? Uh, ARE Jeopardy. All right, let's bring down the crew. Question number one. Uh, an aircraft hangar is part of what occupancy classification? Is it A, A? Is it B, S? Is it C, I? Or is it D, F? Aircraft hangar. This is a tricky one. A, A, B, S, C, I, D, F. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Hold them up. D, B, B, D, C, B. The correct answer is S for storage. And it is actually S1, which is B. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> so keep track of how many you get correct. Look at that. So you're just parking an aircraft. Yeah. Just parking it. Yep. Uh, question two. What topic does chapter 10 in the 2015 IBC cover? Is it Easy. A, this is a layup. fire protection systems? Is it B, means of egress? Is it C, accessibility? Is it D, use and occupancy classifications? Ooh, maybe it's not a layup. Or is it E, yeah, exactly. all of the above? That's why I said maybe it's not a layup. A, fire protection. B, means of egress. C, accessibility. D, use and occupancy. E, all of the above. I can't remember. Okay, ready? Exactly. Probably the most used chapter. We got chapter. egress, egress, accessibility, 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 egress. The correct is uh, B, means of egress. And, well, time out. The reason I put... All of the above is because, like, in the area, you know, they have all the above or they have, like, one and two, right? So, have you ever had, and this is mainly with practice questions, have you ever had an all the above where it wasn't all the above? So, like, I put that in there because it wasn't all the above. Because there are separate chapters. What? But it's literally labeled means of egress. Yeah, that's literally the title of it. So, which one is more correct? Yeah. Shut that off. Uh, I know. Well, we'll take that at a different time. Yep. You can tell them. Okay. Number three. In the early 1960s, a latex mortar additive was introduced, which substantially increased the bond strength of mortar. What problem later appeared in the many buildings that use this mortar additive? Is it A, premature deterioration? Is it B, expansion of the mortar? Is it C, loss of comp compressive strength? Or is it D, accelerated corrosion? Does anybody need a repeat on that wordy one? Okay. In the early 1960s, a latex mortar additive was introduced, which substantially increased the bond strength of mortar. What problem later appeared in the many buildings that used this mortar additive? Is it A, premature deterioration, B, expansion of the mortar, C, loss of compressive strength, or D, accelerated corrosion? What do we got, team? We have C, C. C, A, B, B. Correct answer is D. Accelerated corrosion. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, all right, number four. At the present time, the best way to ensure satisfactory performance of a brick veneer slash metal stud system is to A, use guaranteed vapor barriers, B, specify better sealants, D, detail redundant paths which, with through-wall flashing and weep holes to expel unwanted moisture that will inevitably penetrate the veneer, or D, specify proprietary wall systems that are impervious to moisture. Is this another repeat? No? Yeah? I just guess it. Just guess it. Slap it down there. What do we got, Reeves? Uh, C, 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 D. The correct answer is C. Whoa. A lot of okay, what do we got for our count? We have three, two, three, one, 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 two. We only, one, three? Jason's the rock star. I think he's going to pass ARE next. Yes. It's going to be Jason. The, Jason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with that, I'll leave you with our outro because we got uh, some phone calls to do. Uh, if you like this episode, please hit that subscribe and like button on YouTube. Uh, subscribe on the iTunes. Follow us on all social media. You can find us if you just search Inside the Firm.